he's still down a well. I know. It's, it's not even told. It's not even contacted. It's a fucking week later. He's still down the well. The, you know, the police services are just taking pictures of him and like sending them round. It's it's gone viral. Him holding his Dennis Quaid T-shirt, like. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's cold down that well. You might want to put that T-shirt back on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no. you know what Nadim's like. Yeah, he, he just yeah, his clothes whips off. it off. Goes, look, my Dennis Quaid T-shirt. Save the T-shirt, if not me. You know, <laughs> yeah. That means that we're Art Cinema Fart Cinema working once again with myself, Simon, and... Cameron, again. Yeah. Again. And we're not modern farting, we're not cine-litting. This is an actual fart cinema episode where we talk about a supposedly shit film, although anything's up for debate when it comes to movie quality. Uh, this film we're talking about is The Burning from 1981, a slasher film in the style of Friday the 13th, and it pretty much came out right after Friday the 13th. Uh, and it is also the first Miramax film featuring a story written or contributed to by Harvey Weinstein. The man, the myth, the legend. Harvey! Uh, he's in jail. You know what, we can, you know, the thing is. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about this film. We're not going to get bogged into Harvey because he's in jail. You know, it's only it only becomes a muddy issue when you talk about Roman Polanski because he did something and then and then got away with it and then Fucked stayed off. in exile in France. He did the whole thing where he, he I bet he walked up to the the border. He walked walked up to the French border with like one foot hovering over the end, and he's like, "You still can't get me. I'm in France. I don't understand it. How can you escape criminal prosecution just because you're in France?" If I fucking did something and it went to France, I'd be hauled back. But no. But you're anyway, not Roman Polanski, Simon. That's it. It's a whole. Th- uh, no. Yeah. I'm getting bogged down into the thing that I, I was. I was celebrating not being. I was actually celebrating the fact we don't need to get bogged down because Harvey's in jail, and I brought up the fucking Roman Polanski thing and got bogged down. Forget it. Roll credits. <laughs> This episode is called Dying for a Slash and we're looking at The Burning from 1981. Recorded music for the podcast. Well, could you keep it bloody down? We've got neighbours, you know. Well, it's ruined now, so just forget about it. Uh, you can nope. play your no. music. You just no. have to keep it down. No, forget it. You've you've ruined it. <sighs> this film is a story that gets talked about as like riding in on the coattails of Friday the Thirteenth, but. It's got special effects, uh, gore makeups and whatnot, done by Tom Savini, the, the great Tom Savini. That's my one saving grace from, for this film, is that Tom Savini did all the effects. I love, I love everything Tom Savini's done. I've, every 
you're like killing me. Like, you're oh. killing me when you say this film only has one saving grace. But anyway, so 1981, Tom Savini, who did the makeup for Friday the 13th, does this film right afterwards instead of Friday the 13th Part 2. Uh, so he turns down Friday the 13th Part 2, does this instead, and he, to this day, he actually still endorses the burning and he, th- he thinks it's great. He talks on the Arrow Blu-ray special features, like maybe a whole slew of uh, horror fans will embrace this this old film, even though, you know, it'll be a new film, even though it's an old film sort of thing. You know, it was actually written before Friday the 13th. It was actually a script and a project and stuff. So just because it landed on the screen after it, it kind of gets kind of this sort of, oh, it's a Friday the 13th also ran, you know. And, you know, that's kind of unfair. But uh, this film's basically, it's got a campfire story within a campfire story sort of thing where it's Cropsy, and Cropsy's, you know, like a, a mean, what is it, janitor of some camp from years before. And you actually see, this film's, unlike uh, other ones, you actually see that happening. It opens with kids playing a prank on a guy that they don't like, and it involves him being accidentally burnt to a crisp, but living and coming out of the hospital disfigured. That scene with the burning, I actually, I wrote down in my notes that I laughed quite audibly at him being set on fire (laughs) because I'm sure when all the kids are going oh do it do it when they throw it in or light it one of the kids does like an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression goes I'll do it and just (laughs) throw a match at him I'll do it get to the chopper and I just laughed and then Mm. the same when they're in the hospital and the guy's like ah you're a new doctor come with me look at this freak and then he's like he looks like a destroyed Big Mac or something like that and I thought kind of Big Macs have you been getting that looks like a complete all-over burn victim? Yeah. The, the prank involves lighting candles and freaking him out and stuff. He burns himself when he when he wakes up and sees it. So Cropsey becomes burnt-to-a-crisp, ghoulish character, wielding garden shears. He should uh, have changed his name to Crispy. Crispy. Crispy's going to get what he deserves. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, so it cuts to a different camp in the nearby area where a group of kids are all sexually interested in each other and played by actors who are about 40. (laughs) Nah, not really. Yeah, so a a group of kids at a camp, there's the geeks and the populars and the knuckle-headed jocks that just want to punch people. And all the the ladies are interested in is getting by with these awful mean boys kicking about. Uh, But of course, Cropsey's picking them off one by one, so... Life becomes just even more complex, <laughs> and it all you know leads to a grisly end. It's 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 a body count horror film, you know, slashing basically one after another. You know, how's he going to kill the next one? What are the special effects going to look like? Is anyone going to take their clothes off? That's the ticking boxes of eighties. You know, the party house that's watch a horror film after the the sky gets dark, sort of thing, and then we turn the Sit lights. Sit around on. the campfire and cuddle. So you don't like this film. You've the one saving grace is Tom Savini's Tom makeup. Tom Savini, because the the rest I just I mean preface the for the whole watching time of this film I only had audio coming in my left ear. That sounds like a unique way to enjoy a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like slasher films. I like eighties cheeseball films. It's a categorical thing, you know. I'm not going to turn around and say that. The Burning and Friday the 13th Part 4 are in my top 10 next to Taxi Driver and shit like that. I'm not going to do that, but, you know, things have their place. And the 80s thing 
you know, Friday the 13th, I'll binge watch all those movies if the mood takes me. You know, you put one on and you just think, I want to see the next one now. <laughs> That's me. That's me personally. You know, so I, I think slasher films get a bad rap and uh, they're just, you know, they're there to be the cinema, cinematic equivalent of comic book fun, you know. We've said that it starts off with the guy getting disfigured by an accident. I actually think it would be great. You see, if I was a, a school teacher, actually a headmaster, let's, call, let's say that I'm a school headmaster on the verge of a nervous breakdown and I've decided that I'm about to lose my job anyway because someone's going to find out about the fucking whiskey bottle in, in the drawer. One of the things I would do, you know, if I'm going down in flames, no pun intended, uh, in fact, pun was intended, I should just accept that. You know, it was, def- it was absolutely considered and intended. And if I'm going to go down in flames, then I might as well... <laughs> Let's show the show, put on the start of this film as like a fire safety film for the, the class to enjoy. Actually, pull them into the assembly hall and put it up on like a, a large screen, you know how you can project onto these sort of... You pull the screen down. An old school assembly. Yeah, old school assembly. Get all the teachers there and it's like, fire safety is very important, kids. Kids these days are probably too young to remember big pull-down screens and fire safety. It's probably all just DVD yeah. shit. Man. Well, actually, yeah, I mean, they do. They, they actually, like, control on... They've got a big screen and they control from an iPad and stuff, teachers and stuff, so... You'll be watching, you, you can actually probably set up a, an actual proper fucking cinema system in a school assembly hall and it's justified. So you could hand the popcorn out and say, let's... <laughs> let's watch The Burning. The Burning. <laughs> no, this film, pay attention to what, you know, I want you to tell me what you see in the film that's very unsafe and, you know, <laughs> highlight it, write it in your notes. And they're all watching this fucking... These kids, you know, put candles in a skull that's got, like... <laughs> Worms and bugs in it. And then the guy, he wakes up and hits it, oh, and slaps it and knocks it onto his bed and goes on fire. And at this point, I'd be looking around all the other teachers as they kind of look quite concerned, thinking, what the fuck is this film that... Don't remember the gas can that just happens to pour onto his bed. Oh, yeah, well. of course, because everything, everything needs to escalate to that ridiculous stage where the gas can lights and goes way up in flames. I should say as well, the first time I watched this film, I caught sight of the VHS in <laughs> someone's house. They had like sort of glass cabinet thing that their, uh, that their TV sat on and the VHSs were behind a glass door. And behind a glass door, I saw this VHS of the burning and it was just the name in red, bold, and it was a still shot of the scene where he gets set on fire. It's just a guy on fire. It's just a guy fucking lit up against a black sky and it says The Burning. And I just went, <laughs> well, what's that film about then? <laughs> guess, it's, guess, it's a, guess it's about a guy who's set on fire. Fucking hell. Yeah. No. Anyway, fire safety is important and especially in the woods. It's the Lord Provost here. I've been kindly asked by the boys to take the calls of listeners of Art Cinema Fart Cinema's podcast. Okay, have we got a first listener on the line right now? Hello? Hello, sir. Is this not the dentist on Glen Whistle Cars Road? No, I believe you're through to the wrong place, I'm afraid. <sighs> Sorry, mate, I've got the wrong number. It's Art Cinema Fart Cinema podcast with the Lord Provost here taking calls from the listeners of the podcast. This film's got three famous people. Can you name them? I know one. I know Jason Alexander. I'm sure this is his first film role. He had one role before this, and I don't know what, it was like a TV thing or something, and then he did yeah. The Burning. And what a way to start your career off, because his career did not go down the shitter. It just kept going up. Yeah. So I've, I wonder, 
did Jason Alexander make out with Harvey Weinstein to then get him the Seinfeld gig? Could have happened, or just, yeah. I actually think that Harvey and Jason both look like they were born with hair. And I think they probably connected over that. It's like, were you, were you born with hair? So was I. Right. And then they, they clinked whiskey glasses and, uh, you know, made out with each other and a few women as well. Deary me. I think Jason Alexander, he is actually 20 years old on screen in this film. But you see, there's a scene where he gets out of the water and his white and blue sort of football talk clings to him. And you can see the hair front and back. And you're just like, you look about 30 fucking five. <laughs> talk about having a rough paper round. He looks nearly 40 years old and he's 20. And it's twice as ridiculous because he's supposed to be playing a probably 16-year-old or 17-year-old school kid. Yeah, no, another famous person, but whether or not you'll know, uh, is Fisher Stevens, who was in the Short Circuit films. He also played a, a psychiatrist that Phoebe dates in Friends for one episode, and that was like a an episode I found really funny because he just basically walks in and uh, points out to all of them that they're all a bunch of wankers. <laughs> <laughs> like Chandler's like telling jokes and he's like, you know, <laughs> you're a you're a funny guy. Of course I uh, I wouldn't like to be there when the laughter stops. <laughs> and it's like, what do you mean by that? It's like, well, it just seems to me that you have, you know, issues, you know, intimacy. And uh, yeah, so Fisher Stevens, he did Short Circuit 1 and 2. It's kind of like, uh, that's probably a character that nobody talks about because it's like a poo from The Simpsons where it's like a total uh, racial stereotype that's a bit cringy. Uh, so he, largely forgotten, but still, when they talk about this film, they'll say, oh, well, Fisher Stevens was in there as well. Uh, but the most famous person, and you might not have noticed this, is Oscar winner Holly Hunter. For who was she in that? <laughs> what character was she? Because I don't know. She is a non-speaking person, kind of, oh. <laughs> who is just in amongst the crowd. But oh. she's there, she's visibly there, and you, at one point you can actually hear her voice in laughter, but anything that she attempts to say is drowned out as a murmur, I think. She's got a non-speaking part in this. And that's one of my favourite things about this film is that Holly Hunter doesn't speak because Holly Hunter speaking ruined so many movies. <laughs> Have you seen the film? You know what I've seen the film always where Richard Dreyfus plays like a pilot? That it's like about these pilots that like put out forest fires with the water that their uh, uh, planes scoop up. You know? No, yeah. but I've seen the trailer for that. Yeah, well, you know, Holly Hunter speaks all the way through that fucking film. I mean, I know that her name's on the poster, but, I mean, they, they gave her a lot to do. You know, she even puts out a fire at one point. I was just like, Holly Hunter's doing way too... And then, then like, films like uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I was just like, he's bonafide! Whenever anyone brings up that film, most people will be thinking about the singing women in the, the river. I just think of Holly Hunter going, he's a bonafide person! And I was just like, dialed down the volume. That's the famous people. And we've also touched on the fact that all of the actors look fucking old for school kids. Glazer, this is a character, the sort of bully boy is, is knucklehead guy is Glazer. Hey, knucklehead. Numb nuts, you know. What are uh, you staring at, you freak? He actually looks like his face. If uh, you, So if you're listening to this and you don't know this film, imagine the sort of halfway point between Klaus Kinski and Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah, he does have that Woody Harrelson... Like, he looks exactly... He's right in the middle between those... If you did like a morph and hit pause halfway through between those two guys, the middle guy would be 
Glazer from this film. There's nudity in this film. His nudity, like this guy, he, he gets out from under a sheet, uh, a blanket that they've laid out in the woods so that he can make out with his, his lady friend. Right? Which must be in- incredibly uncomfortable. He, he gets out and you see his ups in this crouched, hairy cavity kind of you know position you just like even he will have watched this and gone oh can you not have edited my hairy ass out of this film could he not have just shaved honestly put the camera over on the other side whose idea was it to shoot my crouched bottom coming out from under this sheet ridiculous so that's that's a ridiculous thing you know one of the things i'll say about horror films why slasher movies are maligned there's kind of the uh complaint that women are picked off you see them naked, then they run screaming, then they're dead. And my thing is, is like, you know, the male characters die without the ceremony. <laughs> so it's like, why is that what why is that better or worse? It's like, you know, a character in this called Eddie, right? Mm. Eddie's like a smug guy who goes out to the river with his with the girl that he's trying to get Karen. on with. Karen quite rightfully pushes this guy away after getting naked and going into the, the river. She pushes him away and walks off, and he's like, "Pure, get out of my face!" Hitting the water all aggressively because he's not getting his way with her. You know, ridiculous. If that guy, see, if that guy tried to play like a knife thrower's glamorous assistant who's going to have knives thrown at him, people would just say, "Get him through the box." You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's there wouldn't be any tension in the audience at all. They'd say, "All right, I hope he fucking gets it through his neck." You know, like that, yeah. And that's what it's like in horror films. The the guys are, are assholes. Some of them are funny. But when they die, they just fucking get an axe through their head without any fanfare. The whole thing of women actually getting a spotlight to run screaming and stuff, it's because... It's actually because the audience fucking cares more. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, don't kill her. Oh, shit, she's gone now. Oh. I think that there's like a... There's kind of a division of, you know, insult there. It's like... Everyone, basically everyone's getting insulted. They're just getting insulted in a slightly different way with the, with the 80s trash like this. You know, also, like, there was a, a vintage TV thing that I watched about Twin Peaks. When Twin Peaks was coming on for its second season and they had this kind of culture roundtable thing. It's on YouTube with, like, hissy, you know, interference that someone's taped off their TV and stuff. And, you know, this woman's, like, talking about, you know, it's like, do you actually think Twin Peaks lives up to its hype and stuff? And she says, well, you know, I think it really does, actually, and it's a breath of fresh air after, the, you know, like, the, the highly insulting slasher craze that's been uh, suggesting that it's actually dominated cinema for ten years. And it's like, it hasn't. It no. hasn't. It's not dominated anything. You've had Back to the Future, you've had Ghostbusters, you've had Indiana Jones... It's just been something else that's there for the people that like it. And I think it's quite ironic that as a Twin Peaks fan watching this woman, finding out you know, about this uh, little YouTube clip and watching it, and I'm listening to her thinking, yeah, but I like, I like slasher films as well. <laughs> I'll watch Friday the 13th Part 7 any day. Scene with the sleeping bag. <laughs> awesome. You know. So are you actually, you, you, you don't like this film... Tom Savini was the only saving grace as far as you're concerned. I would maybe make my friends watch it just to see them wince and go, oh, God, this is horrible. Right, so first of all, like, do you feel like the slasher genre is something that you kind of eschew? No, I like slasher movies. I like Friday the 13th. I like all those films. I I even like the Halloween remakes by Rob Zombie. 
which mm-hmm. I know is like taboo because a lot of people say they suck. Yeah, yeah, they um, get highly criticised. But I, I, I just this one, I couldn't get into. I, I like I was just watching it and I just felt myself going like, ah. Oh. Yeah, so there's something grimy and nasty about this one, and it's not just the Harvey Weinstein thing. Probably it's, it's the content of the film as well. Yeah. Mm, right. Okay. It probably isn't helped by the fact that it's leering as hell at you know like so you've got the Harvey Weinstein name comes up and then you know quite soon into the film you've just got guys leering at like, ladies behinds and stuff look at that ass look at that ass you're just like oh no this this is come on well that's what I thought by the end I thought is this whole film besides the ending just a Harvey Weinstein power fantasy that he's written and just gone <laughs> yeah let's just get this made I want to be a I want to be a deranged killer looking at naked women and then murdering them yeah well i mean the genre is kind of full of silliness and it's kind of it's kind of almost gets weird to complain about silliness when there's an unabashed silliness kind of running through it all you know and and friday the 13th part four for example you get like the scene where a woman goes to make a phone call the first phone call that anyone tries to make after establishing that people are dying and it'll cut to the outside of the building and you'll see the telephone wire getting ripped off the wall by a fist and you're just like how did the fucking guy outside know that someone was just about you know did he just happen to be looking at the right window at the right time the minute someone wants to make a phone call it just cuts to that shot of the telephone wire outside rip as if the killer is the most psychic person on the planet in this film it's got a similar stupid thing right they have to build a raft at some point to find canoes canoes have been taken Canoes have gone missing. They have to. F- they, so it's like after you know trying this and trying that, it's like let's build a raft. And it just so happens that a guy who happens to look a lot like Paul Rudd without being funny, <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd and Double <laughs> Denim look alike without any funny lines, is like the sort Todd. of is like Todd, the supervisor kind of uh, camp supervisor guy. He's an expert raft builder. Yeah, <laughs> and he asks everyone to go and collect wood, and not only do they find wood from like a woodland but there's happily seems to be a number of plank two by fours lying around as well and bottles for floating why would people discard nifty little two by fours around the woodland it's fucking bollocks well simon you're just adding to more discussion about climate change and recycling (laughs) it's the cop 26 right now this is this is current this needs to be discussed yeah okay so what, what are you saying? <laughs> the, 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 we need to stop binning our two-by-fours and we can't let these kids build rafts out of them. They should be used for something else. They must be repurposed. So the lack of care about the planet back then in 1981 is what led these kids to, to being able to build a raft yes. on the cuff in the space of about 40 minutes. It's so. The killer's not killing them because he was burnt. It's because these kids in the future will burn the planet. So he's getting rid of them. Mm-hmm. The, the, the other stupid thing about this, right, the, the, as if there's like a small list, right? As if there's the just most, a couple. I think that the, the absolute most stupid thing is when Glazer, that knucklehead guy, we, we talked about him climbing out from under his blanket and his hairy arse, right? When he comes back to reacquaint himself with the lady after taking a piss or whatever he was doing... He was getting uh, matches for a campfire. Why do I remember so much of this for film? Campfire, probably because you watched it last night, whereas I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he goes to get matches, comes back. She's been killed, 
And Dara, he gets it in the neck as well because Cropsey is hiding under the blanket next to the corpse of the waif-sized tiny lady. See, how was he able to hide under know, there? You would, wouldn't you be able to see just this would, tiny woman and then there's a big bulb where this guy's just lying in full leather jacket? Why is there a fucking hippo <laughs> under that blanket with you? Would be the first question that comes in. You turn the corner, you come down the trees and you see the size of like your girlfriend and then you see this massive fucking lump giggling <laughs> I'm going to get them yeah. and then sure enough the garden shears come out and you're just like how was he able to hide under there did he dig a fucking hole as well <laughs> in two minutes he dug a hole to hide in under the blanket yeah so that's that's a total implausibility my gran would not approve she hates uh, implausib- <laughs> implausibilities in films wind Simon's her up gran so much would not endorse the burning and she would not there endorse Harvey this Weinstein film's, this film's got 80% on Rotten Tomatoes though and Wikipedia actually says wow. uh, after failing at the box office a cult following and positive critical response has ensued over the years so there you go uh, I like this film Tom Savini likes this film but one man's masterpiece is another man's Howard the Duck. and such is, I love Howard the Duck. <laughs> exactly. Such is life. You know, the Halloween Zorod zombie movies, whatever, you know, everyone can, like, we can all, we can all fling shit around, right? <laughs> We're all free spirits. So we've got a new segment to the show. Nadim invented this segment, but of course we know where he is and what he's wearing. Yeah, it's a Dennis Quaid t-shirt. Well done. <laughs> well done. Star that you are. So his his invention was uh, this this little segment that we're going to call two what is it two truths one lie two truths one lie if you lose please don't cry don't cry Cameron if I'll, you can't I'll try not to. I'm really emotionally invested in this film though I didn't expect this two truths and a lie if you lose please don't cry one lie and two truths. It's bound to give you life a boost. Right. Three facts about this film. Uncover the one that isn't true, right? Okay, lay it on me. Uh, wait a minute, is it two lies and one truth? Two I, d- tr- I don't know, Simon. You're the one running this right, No, it's two lies. Two lies and one truth. Did I? Have I? I've done the game wrong. I think I've done the game wrong, though. I think I've done two fucking lies. I meant to do two truths. Yeah, I've, right. I can't believe it. Wow, I've had so long to prepare for this, right? <laughs> I, yeah, fucked it. <laughs> I had so long to prepare for this, and I've done two. Uh, we can change it around. Two truths and a lie. Right, but this one will just. Right, so it's two. Th- this week we're going to do two lies, one truth. The game this time. For this week, we're going to play the game Two Lies, One Truth. Three facts. Two of them are bullshit. One of them is actually true. You know. Two lies, one truth. Excitement through the roof. One truth, two lies. If you lose, let's hear no cries. Cause it's only a game for fuck's sake. So... Camp Stonewater, where the main bulk of the film is is, is set there, uh, the real camp, which isn't, uh, I don't know the name of it, but it was actually a nudist resort in the 70s. It's known, it's known, as, it's known as a place that Benny Hill, the, the British comedy guy, went there. 
Like you actually went. He, Benny Hill did a Benny nu- Hill in stark nude. He he went there as a nudist holiday place, and uh, it, clo- it stopped being that. About five years past, and it became the set of the burning. So that's that's one fact. Lie or truth, it's up to you. Two more for you, right? Many people claim right that the hospital orderly, the guy that you mentioned, you did a, an impression of him. Mm-hmm. The guy that that drags them in to show Cropsy off to the doctor guy. You you know you, you know you 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 think you've seen it all. Check out this. You know, it's actually been noted that people have m- mistakenly attributed that to Lawrence Fishburne. Even though, <laughs> even though he looks fuck all like Lawrence, he doesn't sound like him, doesn't look like him. Lawrence Fishburne wouldn't play that part. Like you know, if he if he was in there, you know, assuming he went from Apocalypse Now to The Burning, <laughs> if he was in there, he would have played that role way differently. He would have been quite cool about it. That that guy's like a you know a bit over over the top, like whoa, wacky whoa. Yeah. So there's call resemblance <laughs> to Lawrence Fishburne and yet people have said oh a lot of famous people in that film Holly Hunter Lawrence Fishburne you know <laughs> it's just like mm, don't they no. eh, 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 eh. true or false do people do that that's up to you also the final <laughs> the finale was meant to be shot in a cave but they had to change location and shoot it in like a, a dingy hut instead and the reason is because the cave you know the, the their second day of shooting, they went back there having done a successful day they went back there and discovered that it was a, you know regularly used as a crack den and that several you know unsavoury people were like there and they couldn't move them they couldn't like deal with the fact that there was actually, because it was a low budget thing and it's just people out in the sort of guerrilla wild guerrilla filmmaking style, not guerrilla as in ho 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 yeah, they didn't know what, how to deal with it, so they actually changed because of the the locale, because of the local pundits, you know, the drug users that used caves. Which one's true? I'm going to say the truth was the crack den. Really? I'm going to go for the crack den. Is that believable, is it, that people would be hanging out with all of their blow and all the rest of it? I mean, if you're going to do crack discreetly, you'd probably do it in a cave. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's actually, the truth is actually that people think that Lawrence Fishburne played the odd orderly. That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's like, I couldn't even compute that in my head. I thought, that's just complete, utter bullshit. That's Surely worse. not. That's, that's, that's worse than when uh, the guy said to Samuel L. Jackson. That's what that, went you know, through my head. Yeah. I was like, no, surely not. Sam Jackson, you did those adverts, and he's like, no, I didn't. That was the other guy. You know, it's like, yeah. Did you like me in The Matrix? And like, oh, no. <laughs> so that finale, it was... It, it's true that it was uh, intended to be in a cave, but the reason that they gave up on it is because they went back to the spot they had like a rope uh, as like their guide to where they were and you know get for getting to and fro the entrance of the cave and so they went out you, you following the rope and discovered that large rocks were falling from above so they were like phew i'm glad that that didn't happen while we were there yesterday yeah <laughs> and they con- discontinued using the cave because uh, it could come down on their head at any moment uh, so thank you for playing on this occasion two lies and one truth but you got it wrong. Don't don't cry. It's okay. I'll I will try not to. Don't cry, my sweet thing. Right. The only thing to talk about now is uh, how do you improve such a film as this? <sighs> how can we polish this turd, Cameron? I mean, I have one comical suggestion. Let's hear it. Which is to just replace Todd 
with Jerry Seinfeld. Because would you not want to see Jerry Seinfeld running through a dilapidated building with an axe going, what's the deal with all these dead kids? And then slamming an axe I would axe like to see head. that. I would like to see that. But even more so, I would like to see Julia Louis-Dreyfus do that. That little, that little cute lady that was in... Uh, they should just have all of the Seinfeld cast in this film. But like that Kramer guy, the big tall guy that said the racist thing in real life. You what's know? Uh, Ben Stiller's dad going to play? Can he be? Can he be Cropsey? <laughs> he would have to be like some guy who waters the plants and goes and just like even because even back then he would have been quite old. You know, I, he can I walk. don't have time for this. Jesus Christ! You goddamn kids! You come here every summer. You make a mess. <laughs> you have sexual intercourse everywhere. <laughs> God damn it. Another improvement is when they showed Karen's dead body, can it not just be a cropped screenshot added onto the top? When he fall, when he gets knocked over by the minecart and he falls to the wall and looks up, he's meant to be looking at Karen's body. It's a pause. You know, there's no, like, the grain doesn't move. It's like, a, it's clearly just a static still image, yeah, isn't and, it? Yeah, but they've, like, added, like, her face going, like, ah. Yeah, and, and you see, like, the tree, but then you see the wall of the mineshack, and, like, they've just gone, oh, just put it in. Yeah, no, it I mean, it's... It doesn't cut to the forest. It's, it's just not, her face put on the wall, but they're against a log. <laughs> it's not a believable corpse, even if even if you didn't notice that... But, uh, <laughs> That it was a still shot. That is one of I should have mentioned that when I was talking about terrible flaws, actually, because it's, it's ridiculous. They they cut to a, a still screen shot of like a, the woman's face, and it's not even a corpse face. She's actually wearing an expression. So unless rigor mortis struck in straight away at the, moment of, <laughs> at the moment of her frowning or whatever it is that she's doing, I think she's screaming. She's actually screaming. So she's like, ah, and then she died, <laughs> and then her face stayed completely the same forever. It's the power of crops, eh? He can just freeze yeah. you in time as you die. Getting back to my hatred of, of Holly Hunter's voice, I actually think the only way to improve this film is to actually have a scene where you've referenced the fact that she's gone dumb. <laughs> like, to have, like, the kids, like, you know, just suddenly, like, go, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, my God! She can't talk anyone. She's, like, clasping at <laughs> she, her throat. She's like lobotomised. <laughs> <laughs> if you set it later on in the film... It could be like a reaction to, to shock to like the, the corpses on the raft or whatever and it cuts to Holly Hunter. She's like <laughs> doing that thing where she's gesturing towards the throne. It's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, she can't talk. She's oh my so God. shocked. Yeah, the only way that I would like this film any more than I already do is if Holly Hunter was portrayed as someone who'd lost her voice completely. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, like, there's a there's a geeky character who, like, his name's Alfred, is it? Yeah, who, Alfred. Alfred creeps around the lady's shower at one point and scares a girl who's Glazer's girlfriend. And it's to get back to get back at Glazer, I'll pick on your girlfriend sort of thing, which is what a geek would do. You know, I, I think that I would like to see if, you know, if, if, if they kind of projected into the future somehow, 30 years later. Because I think he survives, doesn't he? Yes, he's one of the he's the, he's the sole survivor. If they just did, like, a 30 years into the future... And he was actually a pop star, <laughs> akin to. Is it there was a guy called Harmar Superstar, and everyone like laughed at the fact that his music was quite cool sounding, but he looked like a big fucking you know geek. <laughs> you know, if you had like Alfred the Superstar performing his new track on Frank Skinner's chat show in the nineties, just like. Okay, I, I just have the image of Frank Skinner going. Uh-huh. And, and here we go. It's Alfred, everyone. Frank Skinner. 
Listen, uh, I've got a, a pop star for you that's quite different to other... I don't know how it did Frank Skinner's voice. No. A pop star quite different to other people. He looks like shit. Is <laughs> that Alfred? Either that or we get him on Jonathan Ross. Uh, or Jonathan yeah, whoa, Ross. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Jonathan Ross. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, Welcome, you know, Watchy. Whoa. If Jonathan Ross interviewed Alfred as a pop star, he would make reference to the fact that he looked weird. He would just say it to him. You know, now, no offence, but you're an ugly prick for a pop star. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the audience would like would like cheer it on and all that. You know, I guess a good way for me to finish, since I'm the guy who actually likes this fucking movie. <laughs> Since I'm the guy who's watched this voluntarily a dozen of times throughout his life since the 90s. My favourite scene is when... there's So there's a campfire story within the campfire story. There's a scene where they're all around the campfire and Paul Rudd, look-alike with no sense of humour and his double denim, is like telling them the story of Cropsy. You know, look out, he'll get... That sort of thing. And it's sort of going round them all as they're listening intently. And someone... You know, it's a prank. Someone jumps out at an appropriate moment and freaks them all out, and it turns out that it's Eddie. Big, smug Eddie, who would never make it as a knife thrower's assistant. He he jumps out, and like, it's, it, he's taking them all by surprise, and it goes round the... Like, everyone, the reaction, the music just swells into this sort of, you know, sentimental sort of piano synthy thing, where it's like, it's okay, everyone, it was <laughs> just a... It's just it a joke. It was just a joke, and it goes round to all these low-key reactions, like, oh, you guys, oh, shucks, three people, this, that, they say this, they say this, they wave their hands, and then it just cuts to Alexander. Jason Alexander, for some reason, he's hyperventilating, and he's going, you motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> you just think, dial it down, it was just a gag. It's so out of sync with the rest of the thing, that he's actually... It's almost like John Hurt and Alien right before the bursts out. <laughs> it bursts out his chest. He can't contain the fact that he's been had by this little. You thought it was Cropsy, but it was just Eddie in a blanket. I don't know. I kind of think that they did three goes as like a group with that, and for some reason the director decided to take in Jason Alexander's from the over the top outrageous <laughs> reaction and marry it with two or three other people that just went, You guys. Right. <laughs> Wow. You motherfucker! <laughs> That's my favourite scene. Bravo. May they make many more films like The Burning. Even though I think they probably would have already, should they wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can't turn the clocks back and, and play that film on the screens now because uh, people would just say, show us something new like Halloween Kills. <laughs> Halloween Kills. Oh. Thumbs down for me, guys. Halloween Slits its own throat. Halloween kills the franchise again. Yeah, for the 99th time. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. If you've not, then at least you're not trapped down a well with Nadim wearing a Dennis Quaid t-shirt. Reading June. Exactly. Bye. Hello, you're through to the Art Cinema Fart Cinema Podcast. Please leave your message after the tune. It's Big Ed T here, Tony number one. And the biggest burning fan in the world. This film is fabulous. The best thing committed to celluloid. What do you say? Tell you what, if you disagree with me, better come over here and have a talk with Big Ed T. Big Ed Tony number one, I'll tell you. Better pucker up them ass cheeks. Big Ed T wants to ram his big, dirty todger right in ya. Art cinema, fart cinema. Art cinema.
Foxes. Art cinema Foxes. Art cinema Foxes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>